It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Lockdown Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, today's stupid hypothetical question dawned on me late, late, late last night slash early this morning because Avery uh, was having a tough night and and wound up having to creep into bed with Jen and me. Um, What's the dumbest thing that you remember yourself thinking or doing when you were super young? Oh man. Uh since I put you on the spot, I can go first. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I don't All right. have to think about that. Because this actually it hit me last night while I, I actually kind of chuckled and Jen asked what was going on. And anywho, so when I was a kid, I remember lying there in bed thinking that I was a genius for running this experiment. And I was <laughs> like, I want to find out do I fall asleep faster with my blanket over me or without my blanket. Mm -hmm. And instead of running this experiment over multiple nights, I ran it on the same night and (laughs) tried to figure out if I fell asleep faster, which part of my body, which half of my body fell asleep faster, the part that was (laughs) covered with the blanket or the one that was, uh, out, out in the open. Um, I told my dad about my experiment. He asked how it went. And I told him the results are inconclusive because I fell asleep. So <laughs> that's, that's yeah. It, conducting sleep experiments on yourself. Not, not terribly effective. <laughs> I think I must've been like 28, I think. <laughs> uh, oh, so do, do you have anything like that though? Like, I, I think I was like, Early, early elementary school when I started to figure that out. I think we had just run our first science experiment in, in class. And I was like, I want to yeah. run my own. Mm-hmm. So here we are. Uh, man, like for me, it's it, it's not that, n- not nearly as amusing. Mine was uh, when I was really little was always the monsters in my closet type thing. Oh, you yeah. Know, like worries about that. And mm-hmm. uh, it's not, nothing terribly charming. I'm, I'm afraid I don't have a great story uh, like that. But it was always, yeah, like, or like the, the end of my hallway when I grew up, or when I was really little, always freaked mm-hmm. me out, right? It seemed yeah. really far away and dark and all that. So it was more like the terrors of the night type stuff when I was really little. I grew out of that, but I, I mean, at least I hope I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's, about, that's about it. <laughs> well, now I have some questions. Yeah. Um, so like, did you ever gather the, the, the strength or the bravery to be able to go out there and, and check on these monsters? Or did you ever like, did you call your dad in? How did no, no, no. I was, it? I would, I would do it myself or I would like barricade the, you know, with like random objects around my room, I would barricade <laughs> the, so whatever monster was in there would not be able to get, uh, or at least buy myself some time, you know, like had a little escape path to, yeah. to my door. I, just, I, I didn't need to, you know, need to stop him. I just needed to beat him to the exit. That's yeah. all. So, yeah. Uh, I always remember the, this always kind of reminds me of the major pain scene 
fires fires bullets into the kids closet. Yeah. <laughs> if he's in there he ain't happy he ain't happy <laughs> <laughs> i love that movie <laughs> me too it's incredible all right uh today's show we are going to start with some we have a rumor we have something that that you know hey. kind of relates to the lakers uh that we'll be able to talk about here this is now back to back weeks now where we have had actual news to be able to talk about so that's been nice uh we are then going to this this michael jordan documentary got me thinking about this era of player empowerment and then this nets uh list that that mark stein reported really kind of slapped me over the back of the head with it um and so we're going to tie together that Michael Jordan, Jerry Cross relationship to where players stand now with their, um, with their organizations. But let's start though. Like I said, Mark Stein tweeting out today that uh, Ty Lu, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, and Jock Vaughn are the uh, names that the Nets are reportedly uh, considering here. Thibodeau is apparently mostly just a Knicks guy. That's, that's a Knicks candidate. That, that was mm-hmm. kind of funny. He was just like, Oh yeah, by the way, that other guy might go to the other team. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there was also a Stefan Bondi uh, report. This all kind of started with Ty Lue and Kyrie kind of getting their heads together and, and talking about some, some reunion here. Um, mm-hmm. I would imagine that Ty Lue is the favorite here, but Jason Kidd being included here, really got me thinking about, well, what does this mean for the Lakers? How do you think the Lakers took this news? Yeah, I think, you know, it's customary around the league to push guys uh, or, you know, let, let assistants interview with, you know, any, any promotion basically in the NBA. Yeah. If, if you're an assistant video coordinator and another team wants to make you their video coordinator, it's customary to, you know, not, not move laterally, but if you can get promoted elsewhere, that's, you know, the, the custom from, from team mm-hmm. to team. Uh, so the Lakers will definitely let him do that. It's, particularly interesting because we have this impromptu off season right in the middle. Cause like these things happen over the off season normally. Right. right? But the Nets are like, getting ready to play in the playoffs potentially. Potentially. <laughs> right. Does is Jason kid their head coach and now he's not our assistant coach going into, right. the, you know, into the playoffs. So um, I, I mean, I, I would imagine the Lakers aren't, aren't thrilled about it. Right. Like you don't, you don't want to do stuff like that mid season. Um, and does it become something where, Jacques Vaughn finishes out this season. And then if they hire kid or Lou or somebody else, they, I mean, it's a little, well, Lou is with, uh, with the Clippers. So I suppose it would be the same type of circumstances with kid of like, how does that even work? Do they just wait until the season's over? Do they join mid season like this? I, I don't know. Uh, well, Stein is Stein is reporting that they're going to wait to the end of the season or finding out what's going to happen with the end of the season. Okay. Uh, so, so we, we at least have some of that to work off of. Uh, the the kid thing is is fascinating to me because you know we got to this isn't the kind of thing that most people listening to this have forgotten at this point. But remember, the Lakers first interviewed Ty Lue, but were so uh, enamored with Kid as a candidate that they did not want to hire Ty Lue because he didn't want to have Kid on his bench. And then brought Frank Vogel in because, you know, in part because he was open to having Kid on his bench. They then made Kid the highest paid assistant coach in the NBA. And, and then, you know, here we are now. 
And this, like, if it was any other Lakers assistant, it wouldn't matter, right? Right. But I would imagine there are people in the organization who probably saw Kid as a bit of a golden parachute just in case things didn't start out as well with Vogel. And then also, there's no secret, this is no secret that the Lakers are going to make a hard pitch to Giannis and Kid is seen as an in there as well. As so, an asset there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, you have all of these kind of coming together, these things kind of coming together, and I don't think they'll go so far as to tell him, you know, you aren't allowed to to have, have this interview because, like you're saying, it is a promotion. But, you know, what does this mean for Vogel? Like, where where, where does this where does this leave everybody if this person, you know, there was a report also that uh, the only reason the Lakers didn't make Kid their head coach right from the get-go was because of the stuff that was going on in his background, domestic violence, mm-hmm. and then the st- his his complications with this very same Nets team. It's incredible that he's. It's incredible he's a candidate for it. Yeah. I think it really speaks to. I mean, you were talking about player empowerment, but like Kyrie and Durant, those were all big name coaches, right? That's not yeah. some assistant on someone's bench uh, that hasn't coached before that right. these guys don't know. Um, Kenny Atkinson is a pretty well-regarded coach that I thought did. A, a good job in Brooklyn and he got yeah. ousted. So just the whole thing kind of smacks of the, cause the Nets with Durant's injury and whatnot have, have always been kind of pointing their sights toward next season. And right. they're trying to get their ducks in a row for that. And this just smacks of the, the superstars wanting to like wanting their particular guy. And you know what, if you got enough clout to be able to pull that off more power to you. There is no scenario here, though, you don't think, where the Lakers let go of Vogel in order to promote Kid and keep him around? No, definitely not. So then they just let this happen? Yes. I think that's where we're at, too. It was funny. We we were having this kind of conversation, not you and I, but we were having a conversation uh, in the silver screen Slack, and Harrison was writing this. And you know that meme where it's that girl who's like, there's no way I like this. Do I like this? You know? uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> and, yes. And uh, Harrison was uh, Harrison was writing this article right about mm-hmm. the about the report here, and he was like, "There's no way the Lakers fire Vogel. Is there no way the Lakers fire Vogel? There's no way. There can't be. But is no. there? You know? And sure. And and look, it's funny because Christian also made the point, and and this is basically me just recapping Silver Screen at, at this point, but. Uh, he made the point that I would, it's funny that in, in the matter of a year, I could potentially have been angry at the fact that they hired Vogel, but also angry at the fact that they <laughs> fired Vogel. <laughs> um, sure. But, but, you know, what goes into that is the, the process that went into it, right? They, they, they didn't hire Vogel because he was their guy from the get-go. They hired him because he apparently was more open to having kid. And then now if they fire Vogel because they want to have kid on their, as their head coach, that's not exactly a great process either. Right. And I'd be really stunned over Vogel. I mean, I've been stunned before, but I'd be really stunned with the job that Vogel has done. And he's earned the, um, the respect of that said, you know, like kid is supposedly like LeBron's big kid guy. Why there's the insistence, right? Like it's good. It's like, Oh, the like, come on. The Lakers didn't like all of a sudden go like, what we have to have Jason Kidd right. on, on this coaching staff, right? It's LeBron. Come on, it's yeah. LeBron. And right. um, and so 
to what degree does LeBron? I, I mean, I think if the Lakers were not having as good of a season as they were having, I think this would be a, a very plausible scenario. But I think Vogel is, has earned the respect of important people, including LeBron, to the point where you just you don't do something like that. I like 99.9999999% agree with you. Uh-huh. But there's also that 0.00001% part of me that reckons back to how things went down with Lou, somebody who won a championship with the Lakers, also had a really good relationship with LeBron, right? They didn't they they gave him a birthday cake with, uh-huh, with the Lakers, Lakers on, it. on it. Yeah. And congratulations or happy birthday coach or something like that. Right, yeah. right. And then yeah. <laughs> and then hired Vogel. So like like you said, it would shock us, but it's not like we haven't been shocked in this kind of process before. Mm-hmm. And and uh you know that that would scream of an organization that hasn't seemed to have made the progress that we think they have made to this point. And, yeah. and, you know, if that did happen, then, you know, maybe we've been wrong to, to give them that much credit. I don't think it's going to happen though. We're going to no, take a quick, se- well, we're going to take a quick second here. When we come back, I, you, you kind of touched on the point uh, that this screen, th- this list kind of screams player empowerment, player appeasement. Right. Um, so we're going to talk about that, how that kind of relates to the MJ doc, all of that good stuff here in a second. Today's episode of the Locked On NBA podcast is brought to you in part by Postmates. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. We are all trying to keep each other safe, staying at home, taking care of our own and those around us. And Postmates has been incredible in their role uh, in helping make that happen. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food. That's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download the Postmates app on either iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you need delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is offering our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNBA. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates. playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba available on youtube and wherever you get podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day In this doc, like I just, I just, 
I find myself the number one takeaway, and it's not original at all. While while this is going on, while I'm watching the last uh, dance, is imagine if this took place during the Twitter era, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like this 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 general manager is outwardly challenging a coach that had won multiple championships and has the outright belief of the greatest player in the history of the sport. And, and yet that's just a thing that happened. He was going to let go, going to get low, let go regardless of how that next year went. They won five (laughs) titles, dude. They had won five (laughs) titles at that point. It's, it's un effing believable and, and, and so it's not like the Shaq Kobe Lakers were like the players there were kind of at this impasse where it's like we just can't right. keep doing this type thing the players seem to get along okay right like yeah. I mean MJ is MJ and I'm sure it was difficult to play alongside him but he also held a certain standard for everybody that like you know that was it, it wasn't like they were beefing with each other yeah had that group been allowed to keep going you know what could they have done could we have seen in 2000 a lakers bulls finals where it's Shaq and kobe versus mj and pippen now they're a little bit older right but mm-hmm. uh you know like how long could that team have, have gone on for had they been legend like how do you do that I, I, like it's still mind-boggling i had no idea what the hell they were doing at the time and it's still all these years later doesn't make any sense at all you had this great team that was on route to its sixth title, they got along fine. You just keep them together, like <laughs> stupid. Like, wh- what are you doing? It uh, now look. We're never going to get Krause's side of the story here. He has literally passed away, and this is very obviously being told from the standpoint of where Michael was standing and where Phil Jackson was standing. Right. So, sure. so maybe there's another side of the story here that that paints Kraus in a more positive light that at least maybe makes it look like, okay, yeah, this thing might've been breaking up organically anyway. And this wound up being, because Phil, Phil is very capable of if he sees the writing on the wall, but wants to get one last thing, like one last dance is a very Phil kind of idea, right? Mm-hmm. All right. We're all going to come together. We're all going to do this because fuck that guy up there. Right. That's right. That's right. So, like, maybe, maybe Phil also saw that this thing was was ending. This thing was wearing down, winding down, and 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 wanted to get I mean, one more championship. Of course, out of he it. saw it. Jerry Krause is like, I don't care if we well, yeah, eighty two and zero. Yeah, beyond that, <laughs> like, yeah. Also I don't that. think Phil Phil wasn't like burning <laughs> incense <laughs> and like smoking peyote, being like, oh, I think this might be the last year. <laughs> the writing on the wall was Jerry Christ literally writing, really on, writing the wall. on the wall. Oh, you guys are, you are gone. Yes. <laughs> Fair. Touche. <laughs> um, but so, you know, the reason I started with imagine if this was going on right now, the reason we can't really imagine this going on right now is for the very reason this Brooklyn Nets list exists, right? Like the reason this all seems so insane beyond the insanity of itself is that now we have the context of how much power superstars have in the NBA. Like that is just a known thing. Now that's a factor that all teams have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting to see the evolution. And I'm, 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 I'm curious where you think the Lakers as they're currently build built 
sit on that evolution from Kraus literally firing a coach that the superstar wanted around while they were winning championships to oh, now. I see what you're, I, I'm starting to see what you're saying. You were like, what? Because when you texted me this earlier, I was like, yeah. But I'm not making the connection. You're like, oh, you'll see. Yeah, yeah. I get where you're going now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm kind of wondering where, because the Lakers just kind of said, you know what? That's fine. We, we, we are going to do whatever it takes to get LeBron in the door. Then we're going to do whatever it takes to get AD in the door. And we're going to do whatever it takes to now keep them happy. And we now understand the era that we're in. And then the Nets are taking even a further step in that direction where they fired a really good popular coach that, uh, is going to get hired, I would imagine, this next offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll have his choice of jobs, other than the Nets one, um, to, to, to be able to choose from. And I'm kind of wondering where you think the, 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 what role do you think the Lakers play in getting to this point here where this is pretty insane that the Nets are doing this to me? Yeah, I think the Lakers really embrace this type of, and have been. I think that's part of why we're seeing more and more agents getting hired yeah. in front office positions of which Palenka was, I think this third or fourth guy mm-hmm. uh, online. He had uh, Arntellum in Detroit and Lon Babby in Atlanta. Um, and yeah, just that like understanding of like, yes, those are the guys that have the power. And rather than like the, the whole Jerry Krause thing, when you say, I don't care if you go 82 and 0, your priority isn't winning. It's just not. Yeah. Literally. It's just not. <laughs> and, and, and and I think that sports are, you know, like being in, you know, professional leagues are hard enough as they are that you have to take any advantage that you have mm-hmm. and, and milk it as much as you can. And having Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan is that right. And mm-hmm. I think what the Lakers did have done have just been really embracing and being like, yeah, we, we understand this is how the league works. This is how the, the basketball world works. It's also why they've been so attractive to stars for generations. Maybe they haven't come via free agency like LeBron did, but people forcing trades to the Lakers uh, goes back to Kareem in 1975, you know, and that's something yeah. that uh, the, the Lakers have always, it's not just because we're a warm weather city and uh, you know, the glitz and glamor of Los Angeles. A big part of that is the organization being like, yes, you are, you are the, scarcest commodity to i hate speaking of people in in those terms but yeah like you can replace kenny atkinson way easier than you can replace a kevin duran or kyrie irving you can replace any coach way easier than you can replace those guys if there is a coach that like is not considered that kind of replaceable it would have been phil freaking jackson right in the mid 90s right um now you know they wound up learning the hard way that you actually cannot replace all those guys (laughs) like imagine that what's that imagine that just yeah. like one of the dumbest one of the dumbest executive decisions <laughs> of all time i don't know how the f- owner doesn't fire him on the spot well like consider the owner true <laughs> um let's take another quick second here because i want to keep on this i want to keep on this path and then you know if it runs its 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 extent then we'll open up the uh, mailbag and send you into the weekend with a couple of those questions but this whole thing is is really fascinating to me so we'll get to that here in a second playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date 
Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My my question to you at this point, though, is do you think this level of player empowerment is actually good for the league? Because Hmm. the Nets just got rid of a superior coach to the guys that they are now looking to replace him with. Right. Mm -hmm. And we agree that that's the right move. If that's what it takes to keep Kevin Durant happy, to keep Kyrie Irving happy, but Mm -hmm. for an organization for the Nets organization, like at some point you got to say, guys, can we at least try this out? Can we see how this goes? And, 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 you know, maybe it, if you guys can all work together, we're the best version of ourselves. It's like the Lakers right now. The best version of the Lakers is one without Rajon Rondo on the team. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, maybe it, now it's tough to do this while AD is in a, is in a contract year potentially, but maybe you go to AD and you say, you know, can we just, can we just see how we look without him dominating the ball? Can we just like see if, if we get like a better player at that position, but mm-hmm. it's not really an option because the risk is so insane, right? Mm-hmm. If you say the wrong thing, if you try to convince them and then God forbid, if that thing doesn't work now, you're really screwed. Right. So mm-hmm. again, I, I just kind of come back to like, it's, is this, is this the right movement for the NBA? I mean, I think it depends on who you are. Uh, in the, in the whole pecking order, I I like the idea of the players having power uh, because mm-hmm. I'm I skew pretty heavily on if you're asking me like collectivism versus individualism, I'm always going to skew yeah. pretty heavily toward the individuals. You um, and me both, and, and, and yeah, yeah, and so I like. It. Is it good for the NBA? I mean. It's going to be where the NBA goes is usually dictated by what works. Right. And so uh, I think that having Kevin Durant or LeBron James on your team is going to work more often than anything else. I would say that this is, this is kind of the natural order of things as they always should have been. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And the notion of superstars just, showing up and keeping their head down and doing their job was, was kind of artificial because they're basically whenever you have somebody in a, in a group effort, like the harder, the hardest person to replace in many respects has, they're going to have the leverage, the most power. Right. Yeah. And so um, I would love to see a 30 team league where everybody, you know, has an equal shot and all that. It's just, it's not how sports or the world even works. Um, So I, I, I'm sorry to dither around with it and, and yeah, no, give that it's, non-answer, it's difficult... but it, it just matters. It like it depends What's on better who you are. For the NBA like is really effing hard to describe. That's right. Like yeah. I like it. I prefer it. Yeah, I th- I'm mostly due to where I start to get lost though is when moves make an organization worse. Like <sighs> the worst, I guess. Uh, misunderstanding in sports is that everybody just wants to win, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody just wants to win. 
they want to win on their terms and they want to be the person who is responsible for the credit. Right. credit. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And, and, you know, in that regard, such a league that always makes decisions based on what's just best for the team, just what's best for the organization, what's best for the league. That's never going to exist because it is such a holier than thou concept. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in, in this in this one, though, with it being such an obvious now, Ty Lue, I think, isn't isn't such a downgrade. And I think there's something to be said, you know, that Kevin Durant spent time in the warrior system where it was more of a ball sharing thing and wants to get back to more ISO. And maybe the team is more is, is better constituted to be more ISO with him and Kyrie being two of the better ISO players in the NBA. Right. And so maybe mm-hmm. that's what he's thinking. And and somebody like Ty Lue or or kid would would best optimizer you know van gundy's a little bit more modern ironically uh given that he hasn't coached since the 90s or the, the yeah, early I, 2000s I, I i don't know if he's more modern personally yeah. like lou's the only guy on that list where i'm like yeah that's a modern nba coach mm-hmm. so so you know maybe maybe that's where katie is coming from and and, and given his experiences and and you know, based on how miserable i don't know if you've gotten a chance to read strauss's book but uh Katie seemed uh, unbelievably miserable going through that experience. Um, Mm. And, you know, maybe, maybe he just wants to go to the opposite of that. And like, if you're thinking the opposite of Kerr would probably be Mark Jackson, right? The opposite of Steph would probably be Kyrie Irving. And so Mm -hmm. he's just maybe over, over correcting, but in this case, yeah. yeah, In this case though, I guess what kind of rubs me the wrong way is like coaches like Atkinson, I I think do offer some value to the NBA because they're smart enough to continue to optimize the sport. Whereas like, if we just keep playing ISO ball and the superstar gets to, to say who shoots when and when we hire who, which coach or whatever, I guess that's when I start to get a little nervous about the sport itself and the evolution of the sport. Now, maybe it's going to happen regardless. Maybe some team will, be uh, efficient enough in their system and have a superstar that's more open to playing that system that beats just the straight ISO ball. But, mm-hmm. but this one here, uh, it, it, it makes me a little nervous because it's such an obvious situation where it's, it's probably just the players. Now it, it could also blow up in their face too, because KD might not be fully healthy. Kyrie might not ever be fully healthy again. And those two guys seem like one, two of the most miserable players in the NBA. They might just not get along. So mm-hmm. it might not matter who, who winds up being their coach, but this, this seems, this really rang the doorbell, rang the bells in my head is like, this is, this seems kind of too much for you. Yeah. Not too much. Cause like, Katie is there anything that can be done about it? I mean, what's that? Is there anything that can be done about it? I mean, the teams with better systems has to beat the teams that rely too heavily on superstars, which that's, that's what it comes down to, man. Is yeah. You got to win. Like you got to show that you got to show the flaws and cracks in that type of approach, right. Where the yeah. superstars are calling too many of the shots. Cause if you don't end up beating them, then like, there's no reason to change. Right. And you know, sometimes, so Adam and I were talking about this for Lachlan NBA and it really kind of hit us like how unique Duncan is 
in that he is, he was more of that superstar who just was like, all right, whatever pop says that should work. It seems to make sense. <laughs> this dude showed up to get his MVP trophy in like a polo shirt and <laughs> jorts <laughs> and flip flops. No, yeah. he's wearing jorts, dude. He was like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that, you know, but like that, that kind of superstar, when that superstar comes along, uh, along that, is going to, you know, he's going to allow the organization to try to optimize itself. But even there, like they didn't win back to back. They like, maybe, maybe at some point you consolidate some of the, the, the talent into another legitimate superstar. And when they did get a bona fide superstar in Kawhi Leonard, they won another championship. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so who knows how, I mean, we, we seem to know how this is, this usually goes in the NBA, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess the idea of coaches like teams just not hiring progressive coaches for the simple fact that it takes them out of the running for superstars. I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing for the NBA moving forward. I, I, it makes me a little nervous. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, but if you're gonna ask me to choose between the chance at a superstar versus a progressive coach. Oh yeah. It's an easy chance every time. And I know you would too, Dude, right? We um, just finished talking yeah. about keeping kid around <laughs> at, the, right. at the idea, at the idea of potentially getting Giannis. Right. Like this is, this, you know, if like, if Giannis said, all right, I will only pair up or I will only team up with LeBron and AD. If you guys have Jason Kidd as your coach, you just do that. You have to do that. Yeah. Um, and then you, you know, and then, you know, for the, the, for the sports purists, they now have to root against that team in, in, for, for the idea that some other coach or some organization that is run a little bit more uh, equally across the board offers up a, a, a better solution. It just, yeah. to this point, we've just never seen that better solution. I don't think we ever will. All right, uh, let's let's really quickly. We'll answer one question since that was that got into the weeds, and we'll see what we have here. So, uh, let's go. Kay Izzle writes. Uh, Anthony knows what he looks like. Right? Who are you trying to fool? You were never an athlete, guy. I do know what I look like. That's. I think that's in response to the uh, oh, to, to the dunking. Me, to me dunking thing. Which, gotcha. uh, you know, Jen, Jen has since apologized. And I was like, it's, it's all for the content. That's the only thing we do this for. <laughs> um, Wait, what did she apologize for? Oh, she was just like, I felt, she like felt bad. Cause she thought that people were making fun of me, but, but that doesn't, it's never mattered to me. <laughs> you're a good sport about this um let's go one more here so what's up man so with the news dropping on the high school kids jumping to the g league it got me thinking about they're going to be so protected by the refs and whatnot because these kids are kind of the future what are your thoughts and as well i'm sure the older uh, men that's been around the g league for a while might want to take it to these elite kids because they're trying to get paid more than uh, those who've been there fighting for for vying for a spot for years Refs protecting those guys, I'm not too worried about it. But no. the caliber of ref in the G League compared to the caliber of ref in the NBA, that's when I, I think we, we, there's a fair concern. Yeah, I, I mean, the G League refs are trying to get to the NBA too, just like the players yeah. are, right? So 
I think by and large, they're going to be a lot more concerned about just making the right calls, right? It's mm-hmm. different. And there are some NBA refs that have a little bit of clout that can, uh, you know, get away. They've with got stuff. any petty grievances. Yeah. You know, they got a player this, they don't like this guy. So they'll kind of take it out on them in game 37 of the regular season or something. Um, in the G league, like those guys are very much trying to, because they're getting graded and they're getting followed around the, the best of the best end up getting opportunities to be promoted. Uh, So I'm not worried about the ref component. I do think very much that, and because like, not only are they, these guys perceived as kind of golden boys, like they're making a lot more money. Jalen Green is going to make a lot more money than these guys are. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're going to want to bust his ass. That's also true. You know, if you came into the league and you were going straight to the NBA and the high school kid gets thrown out there. Like right. the guys who are more physically dominant also want to bust their ass and show them the the rookie that they don't belong and, and, and all that. So I, I think that that is unavoidable on any level or whatever path that you take. I do think that the playing time is, is good. I, somebody much more knowledgeable than I about the, physiological and medical components of what it means for an 18 year old to play against a 25 year old who's a G league veteran, right? Mm -hmm. Like is the dangers of that? I don't know. I could see that possibly being a thing, but other than that, I just don't think there's any way around it. Like, yes, they're going to come into the league and everyone's going to want to bust their ass and give them a rude awakening. Just the nature of the beast. Yeah. I think it makes sense to limit probably the number of games that, that those younger guys play. Uh, remember they're still trying to get drafted, right? They haven't made it to the NBA yet. So you don't want to put them fully through the ringer and not allow them to be fully prepared for the draft. You know, in a typical college season, you're playing, what is it? Is it 25 games? Uh, it's about, about 35, about 35. Then yeah. Yeah. So you have 25, like, you know, kind of official season games and then you have preseason tournaments and then hopefully postseason tournaments of some sort, uh, so, so yeah, like 35 ish games or so I would imagine these guys probably play like 40 games and I don't think, I don't think very much more than that. I, I don't think it'd be very smart for them to play more than 40. Um, and then, you know, like you said earlier about the referees, those guys that are in the G league are also trying to make it to the NBA and that's going to be like, you get to the NBA faster by smoking these guys who are going to get drafted than by like hitting them hard with a screen or cheap shotting them. Like if you show you're better than those guys, then that's, that's how you're going to get to the league. It's not going to be, there's, there's going to be a hard foul here and there. Uh, That's going to be part of it. But if they're, if they really are trying to, to get to the NBA, I think the way to keep them honest in this is just like, Hey, go out and beat that guy. Just go out and, you know, score on him and, and don't let him from scoring. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the uh, Locked On Lakers podcast. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in for this week's episodes. uh, Keep sending in those questions for mailbag episodes over the weekend. Have a great rest of your weekend. Make somebody else's. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.